Hey, welcome back to Intimate Interactions. Let's get back to discussing the ways we share love and intimacy with our fellow humans. Relationships, kink, polyamory, group sex, it's time to unlearn stigma and live our best lives as our best selves. All thanks to my amazing Patreon supporters. Intimate Interactions has no ads but this one. If you want to keep it that way, you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. You get access to exclusive premium content like all of my coping with jealousy stuff. And hey, if that makes you jealous of my patrons, it sounds like it might be time to sign up. Free resources are available at victorsalmon.com slash resources, and book recommendations are at intimatepodcast.com forward slash books. Also, my Patreon supporters don't have to listen to this ad. Now, let's talk about the episode. Relationships can be thought of as strategies for meeting our human needs with each other. They can also be thought of as the sum of all of our interactions with each other. That might sound a little complicated, and it is. That's why I think it's so much easier to think of them in these cookie-cutter preset ways that we tend to do. We're given these scripts to follow, here's what going upstairs for coffee means, and we're given all these categories, this is what friends with benefits looks like, this is what getting serious is meant to be. The problem with these categories is their inability to manage their spaces between them, the liminal spaces as well as all of the spaces that haven't been created yet that don't that as a result we can't accurately represent the full extent of human interaction and desired consensual relationships anyways we have this concept called the relationship elevator that shuffles us between these preset categories but always in one direction have you ever tried to call off an engagement and go back to solidifying a relationship before tackling marriage i certainly have Spoilers, it ends the relationship. Jazz Goldman and I discuss today what our relationship is, the sum of our interactions. We also take a lot of time talking about our boundaries, our expectations, and our intentions. I look forward to presenting this special session to you, for you. I hope you enjoy. Like most people that you find that excel at like patience or organization or diligence, they tend to work really hard, tend to also be people that are highly concerned with those things. So it would not shock me if I consider myself to be a fairly impatient person and you consider me to be a very patient person. <laughs> I consider myself to be impatient in a lot of ways, so it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think you're a fairly patient person. See, and that's, that's like sort of the point. Like, you don't feel like an impatient person to me. Right. I seem to not feel that way to you either. Mm-hmm. And yet, we both think of ourselves as impatient. I think it's because the struggle is real, yeah. even for patient people. Mm-hmm. Everything looks good on it, the it's podcast. It's a virtue for a reason. Are we ready then? I think we're ready then, cool. yeah. So I will welcome everyone to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Jazz Goldman. Um... I'm not sure which identities of yours you feel are appropriate for talking about what are we, but that is our topic today. We're going to be talking about what our relationship, quote unquote, status is. (laughs) It seemed like a thing that we should record. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I appreciate, I appreciate that this didn't like turn on as like a, oh my God, what are we doing light bulb until that moment It's not that it didn't. It's just that apparently... The part of my brain that makes me blush just got it. <laughs> I just felt all of this giggliness. So. I see. Yeah. I see. 
Wonderful. Well, I don't know which identities to answer that question. Right. Um. What's what's relevant for our relationship, if any? I mean, beyond the fact that we do multiple relationships sure. concurrently, right? technically there isn't much. I agree. So essentially we're both two non-monogamous people. Um, and I'm I super... think sex ed is also... We're like, also... We met because of that in a very did. literal way. So Right. We literally went to Sex Geek Summer Camp for <laughs> learning more about doing sex education. Yeah. As opposed to we were in a sex ed class together. Yeah. Which we also I kind of were, not really. Were we? Was there actual sex ed at Sex Geek Summer Camp or was it just education about doing sex ed? Um, yes. I would say that the when some of the... Um, Marketing people. Yeah. Yeah. We got some kinds of sex ed just learning about... Mm-hmm. I mean, like the Sibian... Using the Sibian or even talking about the Sibian requires a, a bit of sex ed. Yeah, that's fair. And the lube sponsors, mm-hmm. obviously. Yes. Who, I mean, I'm always happy to have lube sponsors talk about lube because I think we need to do more in terms of having better lubes for humans. Yeah. And understanding better formulations of what's going to be healthy for folks doing alternative kinds of sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like butt sex, but we will talk about that on a different podcast. Um... So how do you decide what your relationship status is with another person? Yeah. Um, I I really like this question. It's not one that I would have thought about, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say more on that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I decide? The, the reason why I hadn't thought of it is because when I answered the question honestly in my head the first time I read it, it was that I don't necessarily, or I haven't in the past necessarily i do make these decisions now in very real ways um but part of why i would answer answer with my old responses is that um that was that was kind of indicative of how relationships happened they happened to me Mm. even when they were with people that i was actively pursuing or in environments that were conducive to my uh, growing relationship exploration it is very much it has been a thing of happening to me which is for a number of reasons and some of them are really common like just not having as much of a strong sense of self-worth as I should have <laughs> and I will shit on myself in that instance you know because those sorts of things are really important to develop so that you can really be a full person in a relationship um so how I decide now, because that's important too, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. how I decide now is like more informed by intangible things than it used to be. Like that's, that's a component that really has sh- taken more of a strong feature in my life is, is learning how to listen to and trust intangible messages and things um some of that is like you know my spiritual practice but also like the whole gut as your second brain thing sure um listening in it better to those ways that i can get information from myself as it were um is a big part of how i decide now and then um i'm 
I can be very Spock-like, Data-like, uh, Capricorn-esque. There's many ways to frame this, but, you know, I will literally be like, all right, you know, this is what you do in relationships. These are the kinds of things you've talked about enjoying and really just look at, is there a lot of overlap? So I guess another way of answering is that I look for a lot of intersections of overlap from different areas. Um, and that's, I think... I always did that and to the detriment of other areas. So like I would be like, oh, these things are present. Right. Therefore, it must mean. Right. Yeah. Which I don't do anymore. But it's it's a big indication. Like sure. how someone handles conflict is like, yeah. an experience of that will help me decide, you know. Sure. Um, Have it, we been angry with each other ever yet? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think we've we had enough yet. time. No, I think we need more time to be pissed at each other. Yeah. The closest we might have gotten <laughs> is 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 um, my needs for like everything to be tidy and orderly. <laughs> I think that's the closest we've gotten. That's cute. Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> yes, that's probably the closest. And it was really just you like making clear um, requests about your space, which I think is <laughs> so <reasonable>. mean, <laughs> right? I couldn't stand being told in a calm way. Hey, if you could do X, Y, and Z, it would help me <laughs> right. feel better in my space specifically. Having... Not like just, Oh, it helps me. It was like, no, this will help me function right. in my home. But I literally gave you like a reasoning behind why I had a request in my own home for my own things. Yeah. Which is having boundaries is hard. Yeah, it is. I yeah. definitely, I definitely find, I was dealing with this in therapy last week, actually talking about how um, enforcing any sort of boundary, even just setting a boundary, feels like a bit of a personal failing for me still. Interesting. Yeah, I'm still working on like... Like that you would have to need to do that is what's the failing or... Yeah, that I wasn't able to accommodate someone. <sighs> yeah. Mm. I know, right? That's like both endearing and also like no tragic yeah i would use tragic as a descriptor myself but i mean eh, endearing's good i mean i think well, that's what, the strategy what's endearing about it to me is your care for other people is so strong that you would come up with this sort of way of thinking about having boundaries i think i think it's misplaced i think my i think my conditioning as a youth was more that i didn't deserve to have boundaries and that whatever way my parents wanted things was the way things were going to go and i fought against that super hard but regardless of that to this day i still struggle a lot with setting boundaries that sounds familiar <laughs> i uh i yeah i mean if you want to say more uh, um no i think that's that was that that's pretty much it is like because, yeah, I mean, this conversation in many ways is just kind of a meta conversation about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you totally. decide the bounds of we are in a relationship, whatever that means, you know? Right. And for people who have had different experiences of boundaries, yeah, I didn't, I had people flat out telling me that I didn't have boundaries and I was celebrating of that fact mm -hmm, in my mm -hmm. early twenties. Someone right. very close to me was like, Oh Jess, you just, but you just don't have boundaries. And she was not exactly saying it as a compliment. Right. It was lighthearted and it was like real, <laughs> but it wasn't like, that's the way to be jazz. It was like, yeah, you have no boundaries. And I was like, mm -hmm. and now I am mortified that that was ever true. And Right. You know, it's like if I could go back in time and have a quick chat with myself and just be like, look, I get 
where you're coming from on all this stuff of wanting to be super free and open and not have expectations and let the flow happen as it's meant to and organic, blah, blah, blah. Like that's all well and good. And if you don't put any boundaries, you won't even actually be able to achieve those things. Right. You'll get fucked up in the mire of, of, uh, uh, stepping into it without any, without any talking expectation setting, intention setting it's literally just like let's see how this goes and everyone just has whatever default expectations or intentions they start with right and there's no reconciliation of those intentions there's no communication of the expectations there's just well fucking is fucking right like relationships are relationships and then everyone learns very quickly that that's not the case yeah Yeah. I i think and like even if you find someone who is good at talking during sex for example so like it's not just a completely autopilot thing that happens even that's not the same as as having good boundaries or being able to set them um gosh yeah Yeah. i i mean i'm really happy that you made the reframe of a conversation about relationships to essentially a conversation about boundaries which is a lot of what relationships are yeah because, I mean, we're in relationships with people all of the time in the sense of, like, engaging with them, having the thoughts and feelings we have about them and about how we engage with them. But when we say the word relationship in this context, we mean, like, an intimate relationship or some form of partnership. Yeah. And that typically comes with all of these ideas of expectations and intentions and boundaries. hmm Mm-hmm. Which are needed for, like, the more intimately you engage with someone, the more you need in- intention, expectations, and boundaries, I would say. Yeah. Cuz yeah. I'm, and I'm not I'm not yeah. even saying that that excludes one night stands. I would uh-huh. be making the conjecture that one night stands aren't as intimate. Mm. Which but, can be argued. Which can be argued. But I think in the cases where you would argue I had a very intimate one night stand, you would also say that there was a very good alignment of expectations and intentions and probably of boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, and like sometimes the boundary conversation looks the same as like cute pillow talk before you do stuff sure like yeah setting a boundary doesn't have to be stodgy or rigid or like have a formula it's just about being able to have the back and forth communication to get those things across i definitely had sex at one point with a lovely human who is in my um greater um sex positive community there's a specific community and parties that i go to and like there's a human in that group and we were having sex and it felt fairly, not not janky, just like clunky. It didn't feel like we were quite on the same page, but both of us just wanted to do anal. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, she just kind of like turned around and she's like, do you, do you just, and I was like, yes. And she's like, do you just want to fuck me in the ass? And I was like, yes, please. Like, can we just do that? And it was like, both of us were sort of following this script Uh of like what was expected. It's easiest to start with genitals. It's easiest to start with oral. Um, Not that we did particularly much oral, but it just kind of like led us in the direction of the anal sex we both wanted to have. And it was so interesting that it was like, that was specifically why I think this person I think had chosen me because they knew that I had a reputation for being a person who loves anal. (laughs) And they wanted to do more on that in another episode. More on that in another podcast. <laughs> so this person had essentially been like, "Hey, like, like, let's go have sex or whatever." Uh huh. I'm I'm hugely paraphrasing and trying yes. my best to keep this as um, anonymous as possible. I don't even know what we're talking about. Sure. It's so good. It, 
it was a it was a story. It was meant to just be a story about yeah. about boundary setting and expectations and how um, important expectations are and communicating those expectations even when you're with someone who's attractive and you really want to have sex with them if you're not specifically in the sex acts that either of you want to be in you'll sort of be like why are we who are we doing this for mm-hmm. why are we even doing this yeah i mean i think this is related but i a lot of how my sex life looked in the past was like i would just bone people and then when we were hanging out in a non sexy way i've I felt like people didn't like me as much. And I think it's because I literally just didn't know how to do certain kinds of relating (laughs) at the time. You know, I just like if it was with femmes, I would get super nervous and like it would be stilted conversation, you know, or I would be just too worried about being predatory like a dude. So like things would be weird that way. And then with guys, sometimes it would. And I, I like all genders, but in the past it was mostly just guys and gals sure um sure. yeah with the with with mask folk um in the past it would sort of be the opposite where i would like over sexualize everything because i thought it was like okay amongst men mm. you know all the all the false messaging about uh masks being always game and really only caring about sex etc permeated even though mm-hmm. I didn't really believe those things, I would behave in such a way like the script. Following the script, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot what my point was there. but I actually think it's a great segue into talking about how all that applies to relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, ultimately, we do tend to follow these scripts. We do tend to follow these ideas of, like, well, this is just how relationships work. And even if you and the person you're with want something very, very different from what you're doing, it can be really hard to sort of get on the same page if you don't communicate and share expectations, intentions, and boundaries, which is what we're talking about today in terms of, like, how do you... How do you decide what your relationship, quote unquote, status is with a person and what are your options? Because if you don't even know the options you have, you're going to pick from what you think is available. And if all of those are just highly scripty and they're on a relationship elevator, you have severely limited life options. (laughs) I'm just waiting for that to land for you completely. (laughs) It's almost like, yeah, that's what that weird grunty noise was. It's like, yes, it's almost it's almost like, um. Oh, nope, that went. Never no, mind. you're good. You're good. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I guess I'm trying to formulate this thought about, like, we get on paper why it's important to do these things because of what we've literally just spoken of, and many other people before us have said similar things. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe more what I'm finding, to speak from my own experience, is that the better I get about just taking the risk in those conversations and Mm. having them, even if they're quick ones, um, the sooner, the better is a, Mm. is a thing I've come up across. It's like, yeah, it's really, even though it may feel counterintuitive depending on the nature and like way in which you met, it's really better to, to, to just start, start throwing out things you like, your boundaries, your hopes, you know, just definitely just get it out there because the negotiation can begin basically and it can happen in a nice organic quote unquote way Mm -hmm. that feels very natural, but is just as functional as like 
scheduling a date three weeks from now and having a conversation with a bunch of questions right now, which I love and is like basically what we're doing right now. So I have definitely scheduled dates before with questions before I started this podcast. Right. Um, But typically, typically the date with questions would have been more like, here are some questions. Do you want to come talk about this sort of stuff? Mm -hmm. That kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or like, I'm really interested in these things. Do you want to grab coffee? Yeah. It wasn't typically like I'm going to bring a sheet like I do for my podcast with all my questions on it and like grill you at like coffee. <laughs> but it depends on who you're with. I've also had partners um, in the past literally like read my whole relationship primer online, which is free. Um, and you should probably read that, huh? Yeah, and you could. It, it used to be a rule that I would not like engage with people unless they'd read my primer. Yeah. Um, but that's less of a hard and fast rule. And you also kind of like snuck in on a loophole in that we weren't like quote unquote relationshipy. We were just like really interested in each other at this event where we were busy all the time and we really (laughs) wanted to connect. And we had really good verbal skills for communicating in the moment about what we wanted. Yeah. And we communicated about what we wanted and that was sufficient. Mm -hmm. It didn't need to be like, here's a document to read. Yeah. And I like, I actually discovered a boundary that I like hadn't been able to articulate um, Mm -hmm. in the wake of that, where I was basically like, I need aftercare conversations Mm. with people if we've had something that registers to me as intense or deep or connected in some fashion. Mm -hmm. Like a couple days later, it's really great and like can can undo or like stab off a whole host of anxiety related bullshit thought patterns. Sure, sure. If I can just chat with the person and I know that's not necessarily always possible. I, I hope that I will be only fucking people going forward that can at least do that. I feel pretty good about making that like a sure. harder boundary, but yeah, like that's, that's something that I figured out um, because we sort of had this loophole experience. Right. And I was like, what is it that I want and need right. that isn't reasonable? What's actually essential? Yeah. And yeah, that was that was a thing. And then it's... I shared that with another person and they were able to meet my need in that way too. Yay. That's great. Yeah. So I what I think's interesting about people that do this kind of like education like we do and that are practiced in these sorts of relationship skills, like of negotiation, asking for what you want, setting in good boundaries and expectations, things that people hear and think, yeah, those are one-on-one skills but I haven't mastered them at 40, 50, 60 years old. Um, those those types of skills is that I personally have taken the strategy of like developing all of this stuff around boundary setting and expectation setting because I know it's something I still struggle with at times. Mm-hmm. So I have this primer that explains what it's like to play with me, um, what all the things like just like all the things like here's my philosophy about non-monogamy so if you're a person who's like yeah i'm, I'm ethically non-monogamous oh but you mean you're not going to be my primary partner um like that stuff goes away because people have read my primer they know exactly like it's not like i'm not coming as described on the can you know they they picked me up off the grocery shelf they made the purchase they read the label they opened me with a can opener and then they started slurping at the juicy inside contents Syrup, slices of fruit, etc. And if at that point they're like, I'm really upset that this isn't like, I don't know, creamed corn. <laughs> they've had the time. Like, like, it's not like I've misled them in any way. And I think that was my biggest fear was getting into a relationship and then facing stigma about non-monogamy and facing like accusations of, of 
disingenuity of being dishonest, that kind of thing. And I really just wanted to be like strictly above board. So it was like, here are all the things about me. Once you have read them, here are some questions if you want for self-reflection, if you're a newer person. And I've dated newer people that have literally answered every one of my questions on that primer, like answered them, like, like printed it out or sent it to me. Um, and then asked me questions and then we met over coffee to talk about their answers. Like, Mm. like I've literally had Mm. that structure of a process and I've also had processes like ours that are much more like, Hey, I have all this stuff and I feel comfortable and confident that we can both talk about all this stuff in real time, all the stuff that's relevant. And I'm super interested in looking at what an essentialist view of this would look like just for the sake of tonight, Mm -hmm. which is essentially what we did. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm ethical um hookups or something like that i mean i don't know i i mean i guess it kind of was a hookup in a sense it was yeah. it was a one-night thing until it wasn't yeah yeah but aren't they all maybe, yeah. not. maybe uh, not i mean some I've of them had a lot of one-night stands turn into other things actually but i think that's more a function of the way my non-monogamous community was back east i think i once had a one-night stand turn into a two-night stand and that was, that's the shortest one night stand I've had was, I think it was a night. Well, you know, it wasn't really a two night stand. It was, it was a night of sex and a morning of sex. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I count those as the same day, basically when that happened. It was, it was a 24 hour period. So it could count as a one night stand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also find virginity to be such a weird commodified concept. Yeah. While we're on the topic of like boundaries and relationships, I'm like, uh-huh, what uh-huh. is this with like virginity as this like commodification of an experience? Oh, I mean, it's that's a whole podcast though. Is. I'm probably opening up a can of worms it's here. It's huge. I mean, and I would want to do a little bit of research into like the origins mm. of it for the West. Interesting, because virginity is not a Western concept. Sure. But what you just described is that whole, like... The distillation of virginity as a Western concept, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, something for a different a different podcast. I'm curious to hear <laughs> what you think our relationship status is, seeing as we've never talked about it, really. <laughs> I mean, um, I think if I was being very reductive i would say we're lovers you okay. know um sure. because it's apparent that there's interest in repeated encounters mm-hmm. um and putting energy towards making that happen even though i'm about to move back to new york mm-hmm. and i'm currently living in seattle and you don't live in either of those places <laughs> or in that country right um yeah, so I mean I, I could I could just use that term, but that that term is sort of like saying friend. Right. It's it it's, is the friend version of the intimate relationship. We are lovers. Yeah. And what does that mean? But I think what we are Mhm. I'm sorry, I'm very much enjoying this. <laughs> is um I I think that our connection is a lot bigger than something casual. I agree. And that it just hasn't really had time to express as it will. Sure. 
I mean, we've had such limited amounts of time with each other. Like you mentioned, like we don't even know how we look in an argument yet (laughs) when we like vehemently disagree about something important. Yeah. I mean, but we've had enough conversation where one or the other challenged the other. So I I have an idea of what fighting with you would look like. I honestly think it would be pretty innocuous. Oh, it it scares me, the idea of us like fighting over something. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that casually, but but like, like that's the ultimate me. conflict that I hope to avoid. Like, and basically <laughs> I force myself to have boundaries in these conversations because I hear that that's the best way to actually avoid conflict. Right. Is having really clear boundaries. <laughs> because people that I like and care about, um, the thought of them being mad at me to the point Ugh. where we're arguing about it is it's, like, it's hard for me. Oh, but we both have anxiety about conflict. So that should make conflict fun. <laughs> But I also think that it would be pretty innocuous, too. Like, I think especially once we had sort of, like, both figured out we were in a conflict, we were like, okay, how are we going to respond to this? I think both of us would just, like, sit down and be like, calmly, here is what my perspective is, and here are the feelings I have associated with it, and, like, here is how this is affecting me in my life. Yeah, yeah. And then the other person would go, and then we would, like, talk about all the pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see it as being pretty uh, right brain sort of stuff very intellectual and logical because that's like a safe place for both of us is that what the right brain does do i have i thought that left brain was the artsy and right brain was the other stuff i mean i thought the whole thing was like kind of a way that we talk about different functions of our brain but mm, you would know better more research um so my my thinking was that it was reversed but i could be mistaken um, and, and my thinking is that I frequently reverse all manner of things. Sure, sure. So you're probably right because of that. I will. I and will we'll look find it up. out. I will look it up and put it in the show. Yeah, yeah. What are we? Did I answer the question? Um, you said lovers. I know, but that's like an insufficient answer. I mean, that's I feel like the, the same. safe answer because I'm all squishy. I feel the same way too. Um, well, so the, the thing that I like to do when I'm like, I can't figure out what, what quote unquote we are is I'm like, well, how do I normally define what I am? Like normally I think about all of the pieces that we share. How do we interact? If a relationship is like the sum of all of our interactions, it can be defined by the categories of interactions. So I'm like, we are people who have sex, who seem to, at least for the moment, be very into each other. We are people who have intellectual dialogue. We seem to, for the moment, be very interested in continuing that dialogue. Um, we are people who kiss a lot. I consider that separate from sex, even though I know a lot of people don't. It's, um, yeah. We share like more of, I would say, almost an emotional intimacy, if not definitely an emotional intimacy. That was me. That was me desire smuggling slash like checking my... That was me hedging right there. Yeah, that's real cute. That was me hedging because I'm nervous. And you also don't like to speak for me, which is great when i see that happening live it's very cute to me oh <laughs> i i don't I, I and that's the hardest part about quote unquote defining a relationship is like you can speak for your own feelings but you're always vulnerable you're always sharing something that's important and meaningful to yourself and experiencing the very real possibility that another person might be like oh that's not at all how i see us mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i think doing that on a podcasting stage fortunately not live um, though so far unedited this episode, hey. so there are no show notes to edit. So that's good. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to like edit more carefully than making a note and being like, remember to do this edit. And even then sometimes I forget. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So you were at emotional intimacy Thank and you, you were listing Thank like you. the, 
the different streams or categories? Sure, sure. <laughs> so I talked about sex. I talked about intellectual connection, an emotional connection. I talked about like kissing, right? Um, have we done much like kink or BDSM yet? <laughs> oh, we did do a little bit last night. That's right. We've we've actually done a lot of kink, in my opinion. For please tell for me how more. New we are. But that is more a function of my own <laughs> needs around safety than like my actual desires. Because <laughs> when we when we talk about oh. power and things and kink at another time, we can talk about desire versus safety. Yeah, um, That's and a good so you know, to your credit, I felt safe right away, essentially. Thank you. And so, like by the time we were at the end of camp and like had our our little moments. Um, when you suggested things or like even were being playful in a way that was pretty explicitly top energy, mm. I was there. I was already fine and happy and still able to use my words. So like I could pipe up if, if there was something not working for whatever reason. But... I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> it's definitely like part of that anxiety is like, I'm, I'm human. I'm going to fuck up at some point. And I just hope when I fuck up, it's not so catastrophic that I can't like recover from it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you should never base those kinds of things on interactions with me because I do <laughs> feel that my ability to do that is heightened. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, and that's partly why I was so interested I mean, among all the other reasons, of course, but that provides me with a sense of safety, like knowing uh -huh. that you can advocate for your boundaries and that you can be really clear about like, I really want this. No, I don't fucking want that. Like just that you have that ability feels safe to me as a person who's socialized to be initiating all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yup. So, so yeah, we did do a fair amount of kink and uh, that's, fair. that's continued. I and that's the desire is continued. Um, yeah, I like, I like adding kink to erotic energy and sex. Um, there is a lot of kink that I used to do asexually. Oh. Um, I used to be a very asexual kink player. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only been in, like, recent years, like, probably in the past two years, that I've started coming into my own more as, like, a sexual kink player. That's great. Good timing. <laughs> And I do really like using kink in concert with sex. Yeah. I would even go so far as to say for myself that I don't like a lot of kink without a sexual component. Right. There's something about it for me that is more linked. And I know that other people are this way too. Mm, some, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's like not super unique, unlike many other things about me, which are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I there's a connection there, and I've done um, a fair amount of non-sexual kink scenes and whatnot, and they just don't work for me. Like, the only time I enjoyed a flogging scene that wasn't also sexy in some way or wasn't with a lover that was doing it was, like, a master. Like, mm -hmm. he was the guy who fucking knew how to flog anybody, like, inexperienced people, masks who could never see themselves sure. bottoming yeah sure. all of that i got to watch a partner get mm -hmm. <laughs> get really flogged and i wish i fucking filmed it so i could just look at it over and over again when i'm mad <laughs> thinking about them oh, i, I won't gender them so that <laughs> only the people around can remember that mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah yeah oh man it's connected for me 
and it's interesting that you spent a lot of time with like basically connected. having met you already when you've put right. them together again right. i wouldn't have thought yeah know. i found taking them apart was a really good way to like experience each piece individually and do that learning and relate to people in a very like and this is going to be the nerdiest victorist way to say it but in the most modular way possible Ooh. by which i mean in the most like separable way possible where yes. i'm like i know that my kink dynamics with this person work because i've done just kink with them mm -hmm. and i know that the sex dynamics work because we've done just sex and now we can put them together now that we know that we have a basis and then if things don't go well with kinky sex you can sort of come back to the drawing board and be like well we know all of these things work and all of these things can be ruled out. It's very much a, a Victor way of approaching these things. It's like highly troubleshooting oriented. Modular like, is great. Yeah, I think so too. And kink lends itself extremely so well, well to modular behavior. Yeah, I agree. Hence so many of the type A nerdy tech types that gravitate towards it. Definitely. <laughs> well, and kink is like such a weird family grouping of so many different kinds of activities. Yeah, 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 it is. It's mm -hmm. funny, I'm thinking about how like, this was the what are we episode and we started about boundaries and it's perfectly logical that we've spent this much time talking about kink in a not explicitly kink episode totally because because boundaries yeah and kink is all about boundaries and it's where i got a lot of my education in boundaries it's where i improved in my boundary setting so much because you're forced to have these conversations to keep yourself safe that are all it's about protocol. boundary setting it is absolutely yeah like i mean most modern healthy public kind of kink environments are yeah. like you must do this on some level like right. it's required on some level and that that's good i think sure and for folks that don't do and express negotiation the same way people that are in 24 7 total power exchange etc etc like mm. those folks have spent a lot of a lot of years learning about that style almost yeah. certainly I think it's pretty hard to do 24-7 total power exchange with no education, and my personal feeling is it's probably not a best practice and probably highly inadvisable because the consequences are so intense um, to do that without even going to a masked meeting, masters and slaves together, or any other form of education that's available to me just seems like reckless in a way that like doesn't feel for me appropriate with other humans. But I'm also trying to be as like non-judgmental as possible about the whole thing because I know some people fall ass backwards into it. And if you're really, really lucky and you just happen to be with someone you're pretty closely aligned with already, maybe your like um, adjustments will be enough. Yeah. But my experience has been even with education that total power exchange is very hard to do and that it's inadvisable to do without any education. I mean, what you said I think is so spot on, but also for just any relationship <laughs> like and i'm not saying that to be smug or even funny i'm glad you know I, I appreciate that cute laugh let's <laughs> see his teeth anyway you can't see the teeth i can ha 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 um uh, yeah no it's just like <laughs> you can get lucky you really can get lucky <laughs> sure. and fall into dynamics with people whether that's expressly yeah. kink or just vanilla sure um you fall into them and it works out and that's beautiful when it happens and it yeah. is it is dumb luck, like, yep. like deeply <laughs> and, and you can't, I, I, uh, let me rephrase that. I wouldn't advise, nor would many others advise relying sure. on that, on that luck. luck. Yeah. yeah. And for people that are listening to a relationship podcast, they're probably interested in all the stuff that doesn't involve, oh yeah, we just met 50 years ago and we're still together because, you know, it just worked. <laughs> it's right. like, you're great. He had spent 50 years in a loving relationship with no education or prep. Like you two are really lucky yeah. or three or four, however many. <sighs> Those are the stories I want to hear. The polycules that could. 
Yeah. Where's the dumb luck there? I'm sure there are plenty of cases with poly role models, but I feel like there are probably many, many more cases where people worked really hard on themselves. Yeah. Because I feel like non-monogamy is just like that. Yay, personal growth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were talking about um, intangible things that help you decide on your relationship status. And I'm curious um, what some of those intangible things might be. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, you know, I... This summer and, and most of this year has been a, a personal time of exploration with spirituality. Um, so there's like this larger concept that it's not a concept. I'm going to use intellectual terms to describe spirituality because I'm nervous to talk about it. So if anyone woo is listening, I'm not quite that data about these things. It's just how I can talk about it right now. But yeah, I mean, like these concepts of... Um, what was the what was the fucking concept I was actually trying to talk Intangible about? Intangible things that help you decide relationship status. Yeah, so signs, looking for signs, okay, is a thing I've been cultivating in a very woo sort of way. Yes, and so that's super intangible and subjective, and I also feel like if you're being earnest about your life, you can still look to those markers. So you know. Uh, I noticed a parallel experience in terms of like your poly life and other people involved and someone else I was seeing in a different area and their poly life and the other people involved. And like on paper, there was a lot of similarities in terms of non-monogamy style, interest in kink, uh, et cetera. Like sure. just a lot of things that were similar, but the lived experience was not. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, like some of that was, was bang you over the head, obvious things, but some of it wasn't. Right. Um, and uh, so like that's. So a, do, do you mean to say there was a sign where like we were both in parallel non-monogamous situations? What I, uh, no, what I meant is that I found myself connected to two different. Polycules. Yeah. That looked very similar. But they really weren't. I see. Yeah. And so the differences were a sign for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people would take into consideration when looking at polycules is like, is this one like, is this one functioning in a way I feel comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean a hundred percent magical, perfect poly person. It just means, is it functioning in a way I'm comfortable? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's a really good segue to another thing that is big for me is how I feel. I'm paying so much more attention to my literal physical sensation in non-sexual ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, that's a sign for me if I'm around someone and then I walk away and I realize my brain felt really clear that whole time Mm -hmm. or I wasn't holding my body in some strange tension pattern Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a long list of, um, of things like that that you can notice somatically and there's a lot of stuff you can notice somatically the more i do somatic therapy and like get more in touch with my body the more i'm like i can't believe this wasn't preschool yeah it just it's such an easy thing to teach kids and like kids already have it like they're already in their bodies and like going through that whole process of like teaching people not to be in their bodies like is just like it's a, I, I don't know whether it's just a very masculine thing or whether femmes get it a lot. I think femmes just get it differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah when you said that i had a whole flash of of like a kink dynamic i let myself be in where i was just expressly ignoring what my body was telling me oh yeah yep because i was valuing the intellect of it over right. the somatic experience right like i'm not what, what i just said was not um somebody crossed my boundaries right it was a different kind of thing than that i crossed my own boundaries is actually what was happening interesting i was doing negotiated things now obviously if i'd been with a more a more good a more better top um they would have it would have been more of a team effort to get to the realization of oh this is maybe not working like it's not all on the person receiving sensation sure, the sure. way that it isn't all on the person giving the sensation sure. but yeah it's just been a lot of people not being able to pick up any slack there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff we could talk about in like consent as a felt sense almost which is not to say that that it's non-consensual when you agree to do certain things but that especially if there are power dynamics involved where a person is just way more educated than you they may legitimately see that you're not comfortable with what you're doing and just let it continue mm -hmm. and like there's a really gray ethical area where people hide behind oh but this person said yes mm -hmm. where it's like well i mean they said yes in the context of not knowing anything about what they were saying yes to or not understanding how you were going to um, change the situation as it was ongoing because people can say yes to a situation and if you intend to produce that situation in a very different way than they're expecting yeah. that's not consent like consent needs to be informed and you know if you're like well technically it was, you know, this sex act. It was just much more violent than this person was expecting. You can't say that's consent. I don't think. Right. Or, or if it is consent, that it's a, it's a flavor of it, but the quality of consent is not there. Because I don't see it as a yes or no. I see it as a quality thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with, um, with kink play and endorphins and all those kinds of things, like, mm -hmm. there's a point where it, I think it's best to consider someone altered. Mm -hmm. We use those terms in the kink world too, Definitely. But, but not necessarily in that way of like altered as in substance altered, mm. though biochemically perhaps the same thing is happening. I, I feel like we do use it as substance altered in the community. When we talk about being endorphin drunk, we use the word drunk. And when we talk about um, being in subspace as being an altered state, I, I think they do mean like a substance affected state. But yes, that's how I've heard it too. And I agree. Sure. I think what I don't hear is the next step of like, well, when someone's drunk, right. after a certain point of intoxication, everyone kind of agrees you, you, you can't, can't consent to anything. And we don't necessarily do that with kink. And some That's of that... fascinating. So from my experience, I feel like we do that with kink. Like, maybe Canada's got something on, on elsewhere. Maybe. I think it's more likely just the specifics of the situation. Do you find like the Seattle scenes like that in, in like at large? Or do you feel like that specifically certain people... <laughs> well before we vilify hard, off <laughs> it's hard for me to answer that because i basically left the kink scene after, after a bad experience one. with a very prominent person got you so i would say yes right like it is a problem over there and maybe that problem has more to do with a few key players than a right. whole community but it's still affecting the whole community interesting in my opinion that's a fair opinion to have though you also were like right up front like you know, you were the one dealing with the consequences of that, right? Like the rest of the community wasn't. I mean, they dealt with different consequences of that. Yeah. 
Damn. Which is part of the damaging effect of someone who is um, not following best practices or someone who is harmful in some ways and perhaps not as accountable as they could have been. Mm. Yes, these are the problems. I'm trying not to say too much. You're doing great. Thank you. I think I'm doing all right, too, right? I think you're doing great. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not here to burn people. No, totally. I am here to be fucking real, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, just because we, we don't want to, like, single anyone out or target anyone specifically, because these types of problems affect all communities. It's not about, you know, one individual in Seattle ever. Like, it's about mm-hmm. the community. It's about how these types of situations happen generation after generation and what we do about it as a community and, like, how we frame it and conceptualize it. And I think the more we talk about consent as, like, a yes-no thing, as boundaries being, like, enforced or unenforced and it's, like, a firm line, it, it just gets really hard to talk about situations that are getting close that you don't want to be getting close. Whereas if we talk about consent as being, like, on a gradient where, like, there's definitely a clear yes and a clear no, if we start talking about all that gray area as, like, well, what's the quality of consent that you're getting or giving? Right. Like how high quality is your consent? What's what's your risk profile for experiencing non-consent? Because a lot of stuff we do, whether it's vanilla or kink, if you're like, yeah, I'm going to go upstairs with this human. What's your risk profile for non-consent? How much power does that person have over you? And how well do you know that person? And I mean, these are things that will probably have every femme rolling their eyeballs at me right now. But for any folks that haven't considered those sorts of things, is this person bigger or stronger than me? Um, Right. Like, that's a very real power dynamic because it plays directly into sexual assault. And it's something that, like, outside of femmes that I talk with, like, I don't have these conversations with masked people often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anecdote totally connected to what you said. Uh, For a long time, I refused to date um, masks that were much bigger than me. Mm. Because I wanted to feel, at least in theory, that I could take them in a fight. Wow. Because that's how terrified I was on some level of assault. Wow. And because the people that I did date never gave any indication or behaviors that I should be afraid of those things. So it wasn't right. like a reactionary thing right. to a person. It was it was a culture, a thought, a, a culture of thought. Yeah. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I mean, specifically rape culture. A. Yeah. Well, we've digressed a little bit from the question of like... Yeah, of, if rape like, culture's coming up in a convo about ba- boundaries, I think that makes sense. No, but yeah, I agree. And also we've if digressed we're talking a lot. About, well, but at the same time, we've really talked about a lot of the stuff in and around relationships, right? Because when we're talking about how we relate to each other, we are talking about boundaries. We are talking about intangible things. We are talking about kink for us. Yeah. We are talking about non-monogamy. We are talking about rape culture because rape culture is always going to play into conversations about scripts, relationships, and boundaries. Mm-hmm. The very notion that like the masculine person is the pursuer of sex and the feminine person is the gatekeeper of sex, if there even are a predominantly masculine or predominantly feminine person in the dynamic being discussed, like that is rape culture to a T. Yep. So it's, it's hard to separate these types of topics when talking about relationships. I feel like we've talked about pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. We can talk about long distance stuff in a different episode. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling about having any um, clarity on like what we are as a as a as two individuals who are relating to each other in lots of fun, sexy, intellectual, emotionally charged ways. Mm, how I feel. Yeah. How are um, you feeling in your body right now? Great. <laughs> I just took a deep breath and it like spread out all through my chest and <sighs> Yeah. I don't know. 
I feel... I, I So, like, this episode that is happening, I actually tried to do with a different person. Like, and it was my idea. Like, I feel like you kind of framed this one pretty well and, like, spearheaded it. Thank but you. part of why I just let you do that is because you just happened upon a thing that I'd already thought about and tried to execute. So, like, how I feel... Victor is fucking amazing. Like, I feel really excited, really supported, um, which is strange considering how well we actually know each other. Which is like, we have had sex a handful of times. You've been up to Vancouver two weekends and we had sex like at Sex Geek Summer Camp. Yeah, we've known each other for like s- less than two weeks. Less than two weeks of, yes, of or days. Or is that true? Because it was like four days last time and today is like four days. And then summer camp is like five currently less than two weeks yeah yeah and it will still be less than a fortnight when you leave wow yeah i'm such a slut me too but we also have really good skills for establishing safety and for establishing expectations boundaries and intentions and because we're so good at communicating those things we've been able to build a sense of safety and a sense of like sexiness and arousal and like i mean i think the attraction was always there Mm -hmm. Um, but we we definitely built a sense of like sexiness and arousal around the safety we created yeah yeah and in a lot of ways what we connected on was so non-sexual that we did just have like a a legitimate bonding experience Mm. do you want to talk about what we connected (laughs) on first race (laughs) definitely yeah i mean i i was i was a volunteer at the camp and I just decided to say to people, hey, if you need to talk about race things, especially if you're a person of color, come find me. I'll help you out. And then you literally did that the first day. Well, because and also you specifically said, like, if you're having like an issue with someone and you want like support calling them in. And I was like, we are literally surrounded by (laughs) tons of sex educators, predominantly white. Like There were a lot of white folks at that, which is fine. And some of them maybe weren't as well versed in some pretty basic ideas, like using pronouns without being microaggressive as fuck about mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. if someone if someone says, let's go around and do names and pronouns, please don't cheapen the activity. Please don't make a joke about it. Yeah. Don't don't say shit like, oh, it's fine. You can just use this. Whatever. Like, yeah. Or, or whatever. Because gender is really whatever in the real world. My friend, who, my <laughs> cis friend who is saying this, yeah. like, really? Yeah, that's how it works. You walk into a drugstore and and they say, whatever, Jane. And then you respond, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. You have a fucking gender that you work through the world with just like everyone else does. And some of those are fucking stigmatized. Yeah. 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 Some of us have to deal with the consequences and others don't. Yeah. Um, when I wear lipstick and have my nails done, and that happens when I'm, especially when I'm going to events and I do have my makeup, if if I go out and like forget that I have something to do in like a really, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Seven Eleven or like a regular old kind of place. In more like if I'm going to like pick up a passport or do something more formal. Oh, okay. I'm I'm, and I mean they're totally fine with it. It's just it's more in my own head that if I'm if I'm going to, especially any kind of business meeting, any mm-hmm. kind of like anything professional, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm always like oh like. If I'm doing a meeting in person, I sort of have to be mindful of my gender in the sense that it can impact um, a whole bunch of stuff. Having said that, I have an incredibly supportive partner that I work with who is a used to be my boss and is now like more of a business partner. He's super awesome. 
ironically, like in a lot of ways, very traditional and like super open-minded and accepting, Mm -hmm. but I'm still, I'm still concerned about like, I want to make sure that the way that I present is, is a way that won't in any way damage sort of, um, financial opportunity. If I'm going to like, you know, potentially like a church Mm -hmm. or a wedding, if I'm volunteering with big brothers, right. Cause I volunteer with big brothers and like, I, yes, I do. You mentor kiddos? I've done it for like 10 years. Yeah. So I wore makeup for the first time ever during my match, like less than six months ago. And it was terrifying. And it was because they wanted the, the donors wanted a photo op for donating like a club room for a BC Lions game, which turned out to be an amazing game. And I used to go with my dad when I was a little boy. So it seemed like a good opportunity to take my little, who was like, yeah, I could go, but like, why would I go to a football game? Like, would you explain the rules to me at least? And I was like, of course I'll explain the rules to you. So we did that, which was awesome. Um, But it was going to be a room full of all masculine people. Like it was going to be all these bigs and all their littles. And I was like, I don't think it would be right for me to not wear makeup to a special occasion when I have that many little boys that are going to be looking to me. Like, it's so important that I represent who I am. Yeah. So I found the closest thing to an orange, like, BC Lions colored lipstick, and I wore that. Nice. And, and I think my nails were done as well. So I went, like, as full femme as I go. Yeah. And, like, I got looks, but no one said anything. Which is pretty huge. It was, honestly, it was very accepting. And, like, I had conversations with people and, like, my little wasn't quite sure what was going on that I was now wearing, like, lipstick. Yeah. Um, and I explained it to his conservative Christian mom. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Challenge. Um, who was awesome and supportive about it in a very distant kind of feeling way that was sort of like, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not going to ask. Mm-hmm. But, like, you do you. I presumably really appreciate the time you spend you know, mentoring my son. Right. So, you know, we've been matched for many, many years now. Like, I think we're on to our seventh or eighth year. Like, it's been a long time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, holy crap. I've been doing this longer than 10 years because my first match was three years. And I think we just passed our seventh year anniversary on my second match. Anyways, TLDR. Um, I explained it as, like, a lot of people going to football games put on makeup. Mm. Right? They'll put on eyeshadow. They'll paint their faces. That's they'll really do all true. kinds of things. Wigs. So I'm like... <laughs> wigs. <laughs> I could get you started about pro wigs. <laughs> Sometimes uh, they just wear those funny rainbow wigs where their hair is straight and they look like uh, like Sonic the Hedgehog or something. Oh, interesting. That's what pictured I pictured in my head. That sounds more reasonable. Reason. I just guess li- I didn't want to go to the other place. To the to the whole. Thanks for taking <laughs> me there. <laughs> to, the, to the wearing black as a costume place. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll stop. I'll stop with the poking. Shakes fists. <laughs> yes. Legitimate. Legitimate. Um, I just thought it wasn't necessary for context for people yes. listening who haven't had the pleasure of listening to you <laughs> rant, <laughs> which genuinely is a pleasure. Today, your living room, tomorrow, the world, <laughs> jazz rants about race. Love it. Love it. What can, can, um, can support? What would, can attest? I'm not sure what the phrase is, but there's a phrase I wanted to use there. 10 out of 10. Oh, <laughs> My rants can confirm. are a 10 out of can 10. Can confirm. 10 out of 10 rant. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Okay. So where did we, how did we get into talking about lipstick gender, which was talking about people not acknowledging pronouns, which was talking about the issues that we had sort of like in passing where people had sort of said stuff. And I was like, Hey Jazz, 
you are a super awesome human who voluntarily threw yourself on the fire of like bigotry <laughs> to be like, if you have any problems, bring them to me and I will help. Specifically people of color, though. I That's think true. I said that. You like, did. You did say that. And yeah. then a whole bunch of white people came up and found you. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's hard to remember. I did not get a lot of sleep. That's, that that's very fair. You're like, it's all one day to me. Did we do things on the first day? I'm not sure. It was all one day. You did stay up a lot. Mm-hmm. Even on the night we had sex, I definitely like was like, cool, I'm off to go sleep. And you were like, I'm off to not sleep. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand, but you do you. Anyways, so TLDR, that's how we met. And in terms of relationships... We talked about all the different facets to like how we interact with each other as a like working definition of at least seeing where we are and like agreeing on those dynamics to set better expectations for future or at the very least to talk about what boundaries we had sort of like, did we really, we didn't really specifically talk about boundaries. Between the two of us? I think, I think what, what happened for me was I mostly talked about what I saw and what I experienced and you confirmed and validated those feelings. And that was enough to sort of set the expectation at the very least that we intended to sort of continue having these interactions when the opportunities present themselves. Yeah. You know, I'm remembering some of our text exchanges and we actually did take a second to clarify what was actually wanted now that we're going to see each other again like Mm -hmm. i remember that's true there was like this the the ways in which you do it where you're giving space and language like it seems like or like based on this previous thing and if not then that's cool like it was a lot of those kinds of right phraseologies right and saying like i have the intention um that if you were available to come up here is what i would be able to offer um and then you were like i will buy a ticket yes so there, there was expectation setting about this weekend. There was expectation mm-hmm. setting about last weekend. And really, other than the five days we had at Sex Geek Summer Camp, culminating in a fun sex thing that was great, um, we haven't really had any relationship other than that yet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I think um, we talked about doing once a month phone calls. And that's sort oh, of that's like right. the newest... Ooh, thing. dun dun dun. And on that note, we should close this session and record a different one about long distance relationships. Okay. Thank you for listening, folks. <laughs> so how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or directly on patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. Both communities are easy to find from intimatepodcast.com. So what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Disclaimer. I apologize if I said something that hit a nerve or played off a hateful idea or stereotype. I'm open to being called in. Chances are in six months, I'll look back aghast and see something problematic I've since grown from. I'm certainly not perfect, but I am trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. You can email feedback to podcast at victorsalmon.com. Thanks for your kindness. Attribution. The tracks I use are published under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The intro track was Lost Souls by Portrayal, and the outro track was Restoration by Uncle Milk. Land Acknowledgement. I apologize first for any pronunciations I might butcher. I wanted to acknowledge that I recorded this podcast on the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Stazuminas, Stolo, Sawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. 
shout out to the Sequepmec Nation on whose land I got my degree. Considering the Kamloops Indian Residential School closed only in 1996 when I was 10, I have found nothing but unending patience and kindness in the Tekemlupste Sequepmec folks with whom I've interacted. Let's never forget genocide in the hope we don't make the same dehumanizing, cruel mistakes again. Thank you.